If you've been feeling that there's more to life than just the daily grind or an endless striving for material success, if you know that there is a deeper calling inside of you that you haven't fully stepped into yet, now is the time to step forward on your path. No matter what is happening in life, there is a sacred place within you, a place where you can access the abilities of your soul to heal and transform the energies within and around you. This is the gift of Reiki, and if you resonate with what I'm saying, then it's calling you. Reiki is a gentle but powerful path of healing and transformation. It shows you how to unlock the doors to your inner world and find that sanctuary within that has unlimited access to healing energy for your physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies. On June 6th and 7th, we'll show you how to access this tangible healing energy so you can heal yourself and share it with others. Whether you want to balance your chakras and clear your aura of unwanted energies, help your children or family when they're struggling emotionally or physically, balance your emotional and mental states for better well-being, or clear old patterns and past life trauma from your energy. Our in-person Reiki 1 and 2 certification class is a two-day class that will help you do just that. It isn't just an education, it is truly an awakening. Even for those who have never considered the path of energy work before, let this be your sign. Reiki is more than just a practice. It is a journey of heart, reconnecting you with the depths of your own soul and its potential. It's about connecting with yourself in the most profound, meaningful ways possible. So if you're feeling the call, if your heart stirs a little at the thought of embarking on this journey, join us on June 6th and 7th for our Reiki 1 and 2 certification class. Embrace the opportunity to transform, to heal, and connect with the essence of your true self. Spaces are limited so everyone can get personal guidance and support so you can save your spot today and let's embark on this beautiful journey together. Visit our website at sedonamedium.com forward slash inner peace. That's sedonamedium.com forward slash inner peace. Have you ever felt a presence in the room when you thought you were alone or heard noises that you couldn't explain? There are so many stories of so-called hauntings and possessions and brushes with the supernatural this time of year, so we thought we would share a few of our own. Welcome to the Modern Life and Spirit Podcast, where we explore spiritual topics relevant to today's world. Your hosts, certified psychic medium, Christina Wooten, and Reiki master teacher, Robert Wooten, break down how to work with spirit to create more positive growth in your life. Consider this podcast your go-to spiritual resource for navigating the modern world. True, nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of acute hearing. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthy, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Well, hello, kindred spirits. I'm Robert Wooten, and I'm here with Christina Wooten with SedonaMedium.com. That is the introduction to the poem A Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. And it's a classic story of a man who basically went mad because he had killed someone. 
And then later was sure he was hearing that person's beating heart coming back to get its vengeance on him. And many people believe that this time of year, especially, the veil is thinned between the worlds and that those people on the other side have easier access back to us here in this dimension. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We have some personal stories that we'd like to share of some of our brushes with the supernatural. Judge them as you will. See what you think about them. So the first story that I have involves when we were first dating, and there was this little house that I lived in. It was technically a two-bedroom house, and it had a unfinished basement that there was a little tiny door. It was, if you think of any horror movie where there is a little <laughs> tiny door and it's a little narrow staircase going down of about maybe 15 steps going down to this unfinished basement. And then it had the one light bulb and they had put walls up in there to close it around from the outside, but they were unfinished. You could see the beams. There was no insulation. It was not painted. There was a concrete floor that it just looked like it could have been a dungeon at some point. And it was strange, too, because the your house was, it was this cute little bungalow. Like, it was just really cute. It had all these little traditional features. And it exactly was like you open that one door, and it is, like, just out of a horror movie. And it, f- it felt like it completely mismatched the the whole look. It was very dungeon-esque. When I first moved into the house, I remember... The energy of the house itself was nice. It was very comfortable. It was very warm and inviting. Had a nice little fireplace right in the living room. And yet there was this energy when you opened that door and went downstairs. There was a very heavy, I would say maybe dark. Maybe dark. Energy that (laughs) would come up and greet you when you came about halfway down the stairs. So we developed some boundaries right off the bat as to that you can have this part down here. Don't come up into the rest of the house. And so... You have to do things like that sometimes. And yet... It was somebody's birthday, and there were balloons in the front of the house. So it's a bungalow, so you have like this shotgun hallway that goes from the you know, front door all the way to... you know, The opposite of that would actually be that <laughs> basement door. So it goes all the way through. And the balloons were in the very front in the living room area. Right. And then the your bedroom door opened right next to where the basement door was. So as we're laying in bed there one night, one of the balloons decided to come down the hallway and come into the doorway. And it was coming in at about head height. So when we first saw the movement of something coming in the room, we thought it was one of the kids because it was about the same height as one of the kids. And then it came in the door and it came up to the foot of the bed. And I recognized it as the possibly the energy that we had constrained down in the basement. And I told it to get back down in the basement and to that it wasn't allowed up here. And suddenly the balloon, as if something was holding onto it, just went up to the ceiling and floated back up. And then you know, we didn't feel the energy there of it anymore. But it was, it was a bit alarming at first, wouldn't you say? It, it was bold because it was definitely trying to get your attention. And it seemed like right out of a horror movie because it was coming in halfway through it had it would have had to have gone to get into the bedroom just around this little corner to do that and then you know it's being held at a mid-level height and then as soon as you dismissed it 
the balloon immediately jumps up to the ceiling like somebody had let go of it. And it just gives you that like, you know, (laughs) feeling uh, in the moment. And I was glad that we were, you know, all snuggled up under the covers. And but that that entity was very much, you know, obviously, this many, many years ago, but that entity was of that type that was a little bit on the daring side and a little bit menacing in that way of ha ha, <laughs> look, I've come out. Now, had we been living together at that time, and it been, you know, my house, I would have been nope, we're not in the basement, we're nowhere, we're not any, anywhere on the property. But that was not for me to say at that particular juncture. But that was one of the most impactful experiences, just in that it was so brazen and so bold and had this, you know, interesting element of the physicality of the balloon coming in. Well, I didn't feel when I first moved into the house and I sensed that energy for the first time. You know, I know that there are multiple different levels of energies and earthbound spirits and those sorts of things. And this didn't feel like it had a consciousness to me. It felt like it just had an energy to it. And that's why I just pushed it back and said it could just stay there because I felt like it was just going to be there anyway. I don't know what, how you felt about that, but that's not what it felt like to me. It just felt like a, an energy of the house. Yeah, I think an entity would probably be a better way to describe that particular being. Something that doesn't have a lot of thought about it. It doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. It just exists. I think that was intentionality for sure. Right. So I lived in Florida for a while in Central Florida, and there is a lot of old Victorian-style homes in Central Florida. So there was this one little small town in Archer, Florida, that had this house in it, and we had found out on this TV show that I worked on that they claimed that it was haunted. And so the producer I was working for in those days really had this interest in doing a story on a haunted house. It was about this time of year. So we went over and... The first thing you show up in the house, it's this odd bunch of colors. It had a beautiful wraparound porch, but the front part of the wraparound porch was this weird orange color, and the side of the porch was like this bluish color, and the house itself was mostly white. Right away, we we knew that something was odd about it, and so we did an interview with the current owners. The house was built in the mid to late 1800s, and they claimed that they believed that the house, someone had seen an apparition of what they thought was a Confederate soldier that would show up in the house occasionally. And the reason why the house was painted these weird colors was because every time they would try to paint it a color they wanted, like the paint would just peel right back off the wall or other things would happen. Like, you know, if Mm -hmm. they painted the hallway, this one really pretty blue color, for instance, all of the pictures kept falling (laughs) off the walls until they painted it back like this really weird cream color that, that it was. Or they had to put, well, I think they put wallpaper back up this really garish wallpaper back up one time that they had found like a tiny little scrap of what it looked like and found a way to duplicate it and that's what kind of calmed the poltergeist type occurrences from happening it slowed those things down on more than one occasion apparently someone would stay in this one front room and be woken up by the presence of what looked like a civil war soldier confederate soldier standing at the foot of the bed and they didn't say it felt malevolent they didn't feel like it was going to attack them. It just seemed more curious, like, why are you in my bed? <laughs> and then it would just turn around and walk back out. And then you could hear footsteps walking up and down the hallways, apparently. You can never seem to get that on camera. Well, the one thing that did happen with us in this story was that we did these interviews in the house with the owners. It was a husband and wife. 
And this is pre-wireless mic. So we had cables that, that you ran a mic to somebody. So therefore, there shouldn't have been any problem with the audio. And we did the interviews, put them to tape. And then when we got back to the studio to edit the interviews, about half of the audio had these crackles and pops and interferences. And almost every time they talked about the being itself or the entity itself was where the audio would just collapse. And it had all these gar- yeah, it was all <laughs> this terrible sound and it sounded like big interference. And, uh, and yet it, that wasn't there when we recorded it. And it, I was monitoring the audio while we were recording it and I didn't hear anything like that. So we thought we had some uh, assistance in trying to ruin that story in some mm-hmm. way. It would be interesting to go to all those, you know, videographers who have worked on like ghost shows where they're you know coming in and just talking about what's happening in the home. You know, surely there's quite a bit of extra interesting things like batteries being drained. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are all very common occurrences having to change tapes all the time or suddenly the camera freezes up and it's not working. I'm sure they'd have some stories that they really don't get to say about what they're experiencing in the house really too. Right. I think on a few of those stories, we've seen shows where Someone will say they've had their hair pulled, you know, mm-hmm. while they're standing, the cameraman is standing there filming something, and he thought somebody pulled, walked up behind him and pulled his hair, and yet there was no one, mm-hmm. no one there. Yeah. I, I haven't personally ever had that happen. I think for myself, maybe a part of the limiting factor is that I have really good protector guides, and I think that they extend outward from me pretty well, a good bubble that stops those things from happening around me very often because I just don't want them to occur. Mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's curious. I want to see it over there. I don't want to see it right in my face or touching me in any way. Right. I like to control it in exactly this manner, <laughs> yeah. which is never how it works when you're dealing with you know, being in relationship with something else, whatever that something happens to be. Right. So let's hear some uh, a good story that you might have to tell. Well, I have obviously a lot of experiences as a medium with lots of different forms from earthbound spirits to you know people who've fully crossed over in transition. And when I was really first starting out my journey and trying to understand the things that I was experiencing, I did a lot of study in the paranormal realm. I read lots and lots of things. I love to go ghost tours. I love to go places where I could really feel those energies and understand like what it was that I was experiencing because that's the first most accessible realm. You know, it's a very dense realm of of the spirit. And so it's very easily perceptible, which is why people may have experiences with earthbounds, which is my other word for ghost guys, um, but don't have experiences necessarily with their spirit guides yet. So even though they're both in spirit, it's a different frequency. But I love Charleston other than Sedona. It's my favorite place. Absolutely love it. And one of the reasons I love it is that you walk down the street and you can just feel this radiating energy from the past just everywhere. You know, it's like none of those cobblestones have been saged. (laughs) And you just feel it. And there's something about that that I absolutely love. And Jerome, which is not too far from Sedona, also has that same element it's a it's a different frequency and the the, the culture is different so if you're energy sensitive you you would notice the difference between the two but it still has that same heavy feeling so a couple of experiences directly with charleston is um about south carolina not west virginia yeah yeah although west virginia is beautiful but yes that's definitely charleston south carolina so 
One of them was I went to a place called Pugin's Porch because it was on the very famous places where you can experience phenomena. And I went in, went into the bathroom, and immediately could feel this older woman in the bathroom with me. And I did not get the sensation of her being, you know, menacing. She wasn't a dark presence, but there was something about her that made me feel very uncomfortable. And I think it was her like, ew, <laughs> go get out of my space. You know, I did not feel like the bathroom um, where it was located there was original to where it was in relationship to her. In fact, I think that part of the area felt like an addition to me. For whatever reason, that's where she was, and she did not like for people to be in that area. So I walked back there, and I remember staring. I'm by myself. I'm staring down at my shoes and at this one tile as I'm walking through the house. I just knew that if I looked up and looked at I was just going to see her right behind me. And I just didn't like her energy. It was like, I just don't want to feel it. And that's where my my one rule with my guides is I just don't want to see things in the mirror behind me. I'm good with a lot of things. That is my, I don't feel comfortable with that. You know, I can feel things stand behind me all the time, but I don't want to look up in the mirror. And it comes from that little bit and that experience just was not a great feeling. So that that was one of them. I've had lots of experiences of being, you know, touched and um, my hair kind of played with or, you know, somebody brush across my shoulder. I feel that, you know, pretty frequently. Another time in Charleston is I went on a tour that took you to an old jail, which was in the middle, like city center. And <laughs> I tell you about this tour just because I've I have led tours here in Sedona and this is kind of a fun fact about this particular tour. Apparently they had had issues because it cuts through residential area where tours would be noisy in the evening. You know, usually it's happening around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock or so. People are coming in and out. And so they had gotten quite a bit of complaints from the residents. So their rule was when you get to the street, nobody is allowed to talk from this street till you're actually on the jail property. And then on your way back, it was the same. You had this very long walk. You had to act like you weren't on a tour. <laughs> yes, you had to act like you weren't really doing a tour. And nothing nothing was to see here. And everybody was incredibly quiet and respectful. But when you got into the jail area, you actually were able to go not through just some of the hallways, but go into a few of the cells and see some of the things that had been written on the wall. When I was looking at one of them, I could see the outlines of some energies that were still there, still occupying the place. And then when I was able to go into one of the cells, I was drawn to this one particular area and I could feel something touch me in the back shoulder. And I didn't have any kind of negative feeling with that particular one. I would not have wanted to go into the cell that I could see the people and it was really deep back there. And it just had one of those energies of like, walk into that. We have these great internal panic receptors in our physical body that lets us know when an energy is around that we just don't want to interact with. And it'll work, guys, for people in your life also if you pay attention. And I had that same experience when I was looking into that one cell, like, "Mm, I'm glad I'm looking and I'm over here and not walking in. That would not have been very fun. Yeah, there's a reason why you get those feelings. There's a part of you that is sensing the energy of that, and you know that it's not good for you. Well, a lot of times it's also your protector guide going, hey, hey. It's like skinning, giving you the alarm bells, so you're not walking into 
a situation where you're putting your energy at risk for any reason, because most of the time it's you know, more out of curiosity than you know, having any real <laughs> intrinsic benefit to connecting. More recently, we went up a few years ago to Jerome, and there's a hotel, I think it's called the Jerome Hotel. It's yeah. it's attached to the Asylum Restaurant. And we had walked up there, my mom was visiting, so we were kind of enjoying just walking around Jerome, cruising to see what was going on, and it's one of those fun areas to spend a day visit. So we walked up there to go into the hotel, and so we walked in, and immediately, like, well, I walked right out. I like probably, yeah. I think the person at the counter must have thought I was completely insane because I took three steps in and immediately went, nope, and <laughs> turned right back around and left. I remember was, I was holding the was door. It. So I opened the door. You walked in. And I looked to see if anybody was coming behind us. And by the time I looked back, <laughs> you were coming back out. <laughs> You're like, nope, yeah. we're not eating here. Not, not, not eating here at all. It's true. But the entrance was right across from the elevators in this one. And I could feel this man over there. I was like, mm-mm, nice and clear. I get the vibe. I'm out. Just was not something I was wanting to get. And he's, his was not the only energy I could feel. There was a lot going on in that particular hotel. I'm sure that if you went and spent the night or did some investigative, you would find you know three very active entities that are there well they call it the asylum although it was never an asylum it was a mm -hmm. hospital but many people did die there because in the days that the, when the hospital was active jerome was a mining town and it was a wild west and people would quite often either die from some disease or they would get injured in the mine or they would get shot out in the street for doing something or they would pick up some venereal disease or something. And there was just all these different reasons. And this hospital at the time was the largest hospital in Arizona. And it's in this tiny little town on the top of a mountain, basically. So speaking of the elevator, I'll have to look this up, but it seems like in one of the books that I've read that someone did die it, in it an elevator. Was, in it was that, that hotel. Because yeah. I, I went back later to read about it because it had been such an impactful, like, mm -mm, nope, <laughs> there's a lot of activity going on in here. And um, so I went back and read, and there was, I think it was a maintenance man. Right. It's not yeah, something I've right. read recently, but I think it was, and something had happened where he passed the elevator. Whenever you are tuned in or more sensitive to the spirit world, you're going to encounter all kinds, of, like along the spectrum. It's like a rainbow of different types of energies. And the beautiful thing is when you are connected, when you're listening to yourself, when you're listening to your own feedback, you're drawn to those more positive experiences for you. And you're going to be able to be aware of the ones where, mm -mm, like maybe it's your Jerome Hotel going, nope, I'm in three steps, I'm out, I don't care. But it's it's so important to pay attention. And you are going to encounter, you know, different elements. But you'll notice that we're here sitting here talking perfectly safe, perfectly comfortable, perfectly in our aut autonomy, you know, because of being able to listen to those alarm bells, listen and create boundaries, work with protector guides and create, you know, safe, hospitable space energetically around us. And that's something that's really important to make sure you're listening to those alarm bells and to respond immediately. Don't Try and figure it out and then respond, respond immediately and then figure it out. <laughs> How about that? And also to, you know, don't put yourself at risk if it's unnecessary. I think that's really important. 
don't be afraid of developing because the more that you develop, the more you are able to discern positive experiences, negative experience, the more you have a connection with your protector guides who help to keep you comfortable and keep you safe in a variety of different situations. To me, it's sort of like as you're, if you're in a what is considered a sketchy neighborhood and you're walking down an alley or you're, or you're passing an alley and you decide whether to walk down that alley or not, you can feel when you look down that alley, that's probably not a good place for you to go. If you are feeling apprehensive about it and you're feeling like it's something you shouldn't do, that's the same thing as when you are in an area where there may be some heavy energies. So it's important to listen to those warnings. There's lots of different types of phenomena that you can experience. And I know that's kind of on everyone's mind when we come into October. It's just kind of an exciting time between Day of the Dead and Halloween and all the different traditions and acknowledgments of those that have crossed over. And of course, it's very fitting because it's happening in fall, which is, you know, seasonally really connected with letting go, with release, with moving more towards winter of the going within. So there's more of that being on our minds. And we just wanted to share just some personal experiences of a few things that have happened with us. And I'm sure that each of you with your sensitivity have probably had some interesting experiences as well. Would love to hear any experiences you'd like to share. We'll put up a post um, on Instagram at Sedona Medium. And if you want to share your experience, just pop that into the comments. I'd love to read about your experience too. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you know other people who are really interested in developing their spiritual connection, please share this podcast with them. Let them know we'd love to welcome them to the community and their insights as well. Namaste. Many blessings. The Modern Life and Spirit podcast is for informational purposes only. The information provided is not intended to provide medical, psychological, legal, or financial advice. The information provided is not to diagnose or treat any medical or psychological illness. To read the full disclaimer, see SedonaMedium.com.